as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. here with a very special episode and since most of us all wanted to do an exclusive on the gym that is blade runner uh and we all had just crazy schedules i thought i'd just get us into various segments so i'm your host cam soley and movie buff podcaster david german is here on the show everybody <laughs> hey what's up and so yeah just branching out into blade runner it's kind of wild how it's a cyberpunk classic a sci-fi classic a futuristic Western and one of Harrison Ford and Rutger Hauer's best action hour outings is <laughs> just by far. It's also, it's also a, a noir detective uh, story. Absolutely. It's especially, in a way, especially with, the, especially with the voiceover, which I know is a point of contention with fans, the whole voiceover and not voiceover thing. You uh, know, the vo- that's a good topic to begin on. So basically yeah. this movie as for those who haven't seen it, and I'll avoid spoilers, I'm just talking about the general kind of themes. Just, oh, I think the statute of limitations on spoilers on this film has passed. Well, that's true, too. I, I just figure, uh, for those who've seen it and don't get it, I think you should just still try to just rewatch it. Watch it with a bunch of film buffs. Those who have loved it, you know why you love it. And... I know you can describe it better than anybody. Uh, those who are just now getting into it or introducing someone to it, you gotta be, you gotta have some other directory or reference. But I think that's the beauty of this movie. It really doesn't take much reference. You pretty much get the nuance of special. It dazzles. It captures your imagination. It it's eye catching without being just oh, that's just a bunch of gratuitous visual effects shots, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what, what's your take to this? Like, did well, you I'm see ashamed, this? I have a confession to make. Uh, I'm ashamed to admit the first time I saw this movie, I can't remember when it was, when it was first, I didn't see it in theaters. It was when it was first available on cable back then, HBO or whatever we had for cable back then. Uh-huh. And I have to admit, I hated it the first time. I saw it. it was just not what I was expecting. It was not what I was in the mood for. You know, ET had come out. I was still on a star Wars high. Um, close encounters had come out. I was expecting more. Along those lines, I wasn't ready for this more slow, dark, noirish. You know, a lot of talking, and I, I felt terrible. And I and so I finally revisited it a few years later and absolutely fell in love with it. But the, the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, "Well, this movie sucks," and I'm ashamed to admit it. But it was just—it's only because it's not the headspace I was in 
when when uh, I, I sat down and watched it, I was expecting something much more actiony, much more lighthearted. This movie, you have to really pay attention to this film. There's a lot going on in this film. You know, that's wild that you bring it up because it is definitely one of those. I don't know why. I I was definitely the worst at you know if a movie was just dragging, I would almost always just hate it, hate it, hate it. I would just and this one, you know, it was slow. And even without just the Harrison Ford portion, I just, I don't know why. I, I just, it, this movie made me fall in love with detective movies. Don't get me wrong. I'd seen parts of, you know, 40s noir stuff. But, you know, even on TCM, you know, that's a real big time suck and would often be, you know, in the middle of the day when I had to turn the TV off and, you know, go out and play. So, I, you know, the, this movie, I was was fortunate enough. They had the final cut airing on Sci-Fi Channel to coincide with the DVD and Blu-ray release around oh nine ish and i i don't know why i just was used to i just anything sci-fi or fantasy or just light horror i was gonna seek out because i just wanted to see what gyms everyone was talking about what are all these giant posters that you see at the video store you know are these really the classics are these really the gyms that they're meant to be and i don't know i just be you, you see its influence in virtually every, every other movie, you know, even Star Wars prequels, just any other place that uh, just has a futuristic city and, like you say, a futuristic detective and just any kind of cyborg android stuff. I mean, even Data on Star Trek, for instance. So, you know, you, you have all these themes, all these all this material, and it just kind of paints an unusual portrait without feeling like a, just a very forced homage or anything or like you need some other material to go on just to understand it so and it's, it's an early uh, at least from from my experience it's an early um example of what started sort of with alien where the future suddenly wasn't so shiny and clean well, it seemed like all the sci-fi earlier than alien uh the future was perfect we'd solve all the earth's problems everybody like in 2001 every, everything spotless there, this movie was very grimy and very wet, and, and, and he always looks uncomfortable. And I think Alien, I, I mean, I'm sure there's examples before Alien, but I think Alien is the first film that I remember where it showed the future as being, you know, much like now, dirty and, and, and unclean, and we still have lots of problems, just now we have spaceships, too, you know. That's the best way to put it, because, I mean... There's never a moment where you're just in doubt of what it's saying and what it's depicting. So I guess the, really the main breaker is if you buy the mystery or you have trouble following it or if you're in part of one of those pretentious arguments about what the screenwriter says is canon versus what director Ridley yeah, Scott that's, says is that's canon. Exactly, that's exactly what I ran into uh, doing the reading today for this. You go down these rabbit holes of, you know, the, does the origami unicorn mean this? It's like, you know, at the end of the day, I really don't care. I just want to be told a good story. I don't. I don't personally care if Decker was a replicant or not. I, I personally, I don't think he was. From but I haven't delved as deeply. And like you said, some of these more pretentious discussions just go into every nook and cranny. It's like my God, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and there. It's just a movie. You know? Exactly. It's a classic, but it's just an entertainment. I mean, people go go down these get lost down these rabbit holes of just overanalyzing every little scrap. And, yeah, know, dude. The, or the origami uh, unicorn is a big thing for me. It's like, okay, maybe it's just ambiguous. It doesn't, 
I always got an ambiguous kind of thing, and it definitely worked better in this movie than it did in Legend, also by Ridley Scott for me. Because, you know, there's the unicorn in that one. And it was such a key, yet such a brief part of the whole thing. And with this, I was just like, it was just kind of like, for me, like a, a dubs and a John Woo movie. I was just like, okay, well, it's it's just... It's just its signature style. It's going to take multiple viewings to get that. Just leave it. <laughs> just. I think I like this film better if Decker's not a replicant. I like. I, I think uh, it le- it cheapens the end. If he's a replicant, then the final battle between him and uh, Roy Batty just becomes two replicants fighting. It's not man versus machine or past versus future. It's just two robots fighting it out. Exactly. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I prefer him not being replicant. Where in the sequel, I think it's brilliant. That, oh, I don't, are we doing spoilers or not? Uh, you know what? I, I don't, I don't Fuck want to do yeah. spoilers. Okay, well, long story short. The statute of limitations on the sequel hasn't passed yet. So I don't want to give that one away. But well, the, to be fair, it's funny you bring that up. Because I, I noticed so many people, when the sequel came out, they weren't seeing. They weren't even bothering to see the original movie. It was stupid. They were going in. They were expecting to get it. They just saw this recap video that was trending on all the social media. And I kid you not, I, I saw friends go into it. They're like, "Oh, I thought it's going to be all like Terminator or Matrix." And it's like, right. well, that, well, yeah, which is what I went through with the first one. So they were silly not to revisit, not to watch the first one. First, and it's 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 a very long movie. I have a hard time watching it in one sitting. It's like, damn, I got to go to bed. It's a right. Movie, and there's a lot. There's a lot to it. There's a lot going on. Some great performances in that sequel. I think the performances, particularly the actors, I have it here in front of me. He plays uh, the replicant, the, the one who turned out to be bad. Live or love? What is her name? I got it right here in front of me. Uh, I can't think of her. I, I can't think of that character. She, she's one of the best villains I've seen in any movie in a long time. Yes, Look, she, uh, I. Wax morgue worker in the back of the head oh that scene is hard to watch man she gives him that little karate chop to the back of the neck and he just yeah, she's a great she plays a great villain yeah she she definitely didn't ever came off as a superhero type villain uh and i know i know jared leto's not the most popular actor nowadays for both personal and just oh, as like- uh, but but uh, here uh, i thought he really worked very well as one of the evil cyborgs he's just very manipulative, very just his eyes pretty much sell the scene for me. And I mean, there's apparently some shorts on the Blu-ray that I haven't watched yet that were released on the Internet originally. And those are also kind of fun complimentary. And I mean, it also ends in a way where it left it open for a third part, but also to where for now, if it doesn't continue, the story's still complete. And I wish more movies would end that way. Keep it open, but don't end with a, you know, to be continued, you know, sticker or something like that, you know? We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. 
So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> No, don't, don't run the listeners away, Peach. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world... He did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? 
Necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program. Don't don't yeah. be like James Bond, like so and so will return in you know the sequel that yeah. never gets made. I'm watching. I'm watching. I have the original, uh, the the, the um, final cut version playing right now as we're talking. And I'm just always struck by uh, uh, Joe Turkle's uh, the, the actor who played uh, Tyrell. The size of his eyeglasses. Good lord, those are huge eyeglasses. Yes. In the future, people wear big ass eyeglasses. Big ass eyeglasses. Um, and I mean, just having all the various just dark corners, just every room, just having such splendid art direction, it really did just show you. It's like, okay, sci-fi doesn't have to be just you know green screen, and that's it. It's like sometimes it can be all this other stuff that you stage and you, you yeah, know, you create the world. The hellish production, apparently, really Scott was quite the perfectionist on this, demanding reshoots over reshoots and just exhausting everybody on the set. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's why he's just lasted so long. While he doesn't know how to always tell a story, he knows how to envision a world and get all the shots that inject emotion and complement all the other stuff, all the other scenery, all the music, all the editing. And uh, that's just it. And, and I think, you know, going back to some of his more recent stuff, I mean... I think the reason I come back to other stuff like The Martian or Gladiator is also just because he will always have a very cool shot with the hero or anti-hero. And I instantly, in a way, want to know more about him because of the way they're walking and talking. And it's like, that's perfect that, you know, uh, I, you created interest without even having to have just the actor start off the show first, you know? Yeah, his, his filmography is just rich with great great movies there, there's so many in his in his resume that are just fantastic watches yeah gladiators, exactly gladiators but, but i'll you know the alien will always he'll always be i'll always give him the benefit of the doubt just because he gave us alien there's that i mean i've had other movies that i just i find just instantly rewatchable each time they're on cable tv uh whether it's something like uh gi jane or uh uh, American Gangster, just other, just character pieces. Yeah, just just little small just vignettes on stuff about you know people who we can only really understand if we're in that lifestyle. But fortunately, we have just the little simple moments telling the story for us. I've always kind of been bigger on his uh, filmmaker brother Tony Scott, but uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of the cool. Uh, deflection point where is like if you want something kind of big, vast, that's a three hour epic, go for Ridley. If you want something that's very flashy yet more than just a music video, a very interactive, immersive experience, you go with Tony, you know. Yeah, so, Tony Scott, movies are great too. Yeah, definitely different, definitely lighter. Uh, exactly. And uh, I, you know, I went to filmmaking school and I kid you not, those fucking hacks who call themselves professors were just talking so much shit about all these people they hate. And Tony Scott was one of them. And I really did find that personally offensive because I was just like, Tony is who I find relatable, who I think many filmmakers and audience members find. You know, I mean, come on, Man on Fire, Crimson Tide, you know, even freaking Top Gun. So it's just, he does all these movies with unstoppable killing machines with very flawed characters that are just i mean true romance for fuck's sake so it's just to tell me that he is not a filmmaker because you don't like his style i'm like okay how about just i don't like his movies but to say someone is not a filmmaker that's that's take some serious stones to say that what what are you talking uh, about no he made he's made some he made some fantastic his uh, suicide was quite a tragedy yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm still haunted by that because, I mean, this wasn't anyone abusing anything. <laughs> and and uh, it's just like uh, everyone acts like it has to be just depression and everything. And it's like this was a bit of depression, but it was also just it was a long time coming and there was no stopping it. And that's the real heartbreaking tragedy of it all. It's just someone who was going to give up eventually, despite and it's like it had nothing to do with their success, their wonderful career. It was just 
I'm feeling very down. And it's like, oh my God. I, but that is eye opening. And I wish more people would talk about stuff like that. I mean, I just saw a documentary the other night on Showtime about the comedy store. And, you know, they were talking about Freddie Prince suicide. And uh, this movie, I think, is also really good. It approaches depressing material in such a very precious and genuine way. And that's saying a lot, you know, we don't know how robots, you know, die or sweat or feel. So to get that kind of feeling of this out of this world material and it's not even, you know, makeup or alien related, it's all, you know, in our minds, that that's great. So, I mean, the Westworld TV show reboot definitely owes a lot to this uh, Altered Carbon, which has been a very underrated Netflix hit. It definitely feels like a, the tr a truest of all sequels to it if you just want to follow everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I, I, uh, I thought they did a great job with 2049, recapturing the feel of this one. Absolutely. And people give Dennis Vinov so much grief. I'm like, he did a banged up job because he'd done all these other psychological thrillers. And I kid you not, I, I saw, I had some friends who claimed they fell asleep during it. And I was like, how can you fall asleep during this one? I mean, there was a lot of stuff happening. So, so to tell me... You know about, you know about 2049? Yeah, they were telling me they it's fell a, asleep. But it is a long-ass movie, man. Well, how long? I got it right here. How long is this movie? It was, uh, it's two and a half hours, but I mean, there's so much frantic stuff happening. I don't fall asleep if there's explosions. I've never even fallen asleep during a movie unless it was like past four in the morning and I was just, you know up past my bedtime but i mean if i'm gonna fall asleep during a movie it better be because literally nothing is happening we're just seeing endless scenery and just no no plot development of any sort it, just no interaction but there's so much interaction here in this dark gruesome world i mean yeah. we see we see more of the police force we see all this other just shady corporations that are intertwined and, then, um, and it's, filled, it's filled with incredible performances too. It really, the, the performances are—they take your breath away. Uh, yeah, Anna de Amas, I really have to tip my hat to her because she really makes you feel as the uh, hologram girl, girlfriend of the detective. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I mean, I, I think my sister said it best to feel for you know someone who is not you know human you know that that that's a great performance and yeah that's uh, what that's what harris that's what happens to harrison ford in the first one uh, uh yeah and, and uh i just see so many people just giving this movie grief and it's like you know we're gonna have to agree to disagree i've seen so many yeah, other sequels yeah, I, I, think it's great. I don't think that i think that's unfair the only thing with me because uh, my attention span, this is a movie I'm going to need to start. Next time I watch it, I'm going to need to start it in the middle. Because I've seen the first half of it probably five times. And I think I've made it through the second half once because I just keep falling asleep. Not because it's boring, because I'm 55 and I need my naps, you know? Yeah. So I, I need to start it in the middle and watch the last half of it. <laughs> yeah, you already know the character development now. Yeah, you gotta I, I got the beginning memorized. I need to watch the last half. Yeah, that, I think I'm going to make that a point to do that. Maybe tonight I'll watch it. The second half, that because um, it's the last, the second half's a little foggy to me. But, uh, and the, uh, first, the first one, we need to talk about Rutger Hauer. Uh, 
is that very startling to think that that whole speech that he says at the end was all improvised? I mean, yeah, it was supposed to be much more of a like a fight, like a karate fight or something, like a lot of jumping and kicking. And he didn't want to do it that way. He wanted a more Shakespearean, I think. And so he just he came up with that yeah that soliloquy at the end. <laughs> Uh, and I love this scene. I'm watching the scene right now where they go to the eye manufacturer guy. And, <laughs> and, while, and while Roy is talking to him, Leon is putting the eyeballs like on his shoulders and on his head. It's just right. the great scene. Very well, and it's also just what I want in a villain. You know, it just everybody else likes to just have these actors just monologue and it's boring, dude, because you know that at the end of the day, it's just going to end with him killing someone off screen or graphically. And it's like, that's not entertaining. Just get on with it. They're toying with this guy. At least Leon, at least uh, Leon is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he, yeah. But like, here it's like, he gives it life. Like it, it, it feels just so interconnected. You want to know more about this, this morbid material instead of, uh, yeah, it's just a famous person playing, uh, you know, Italian gangster or some shit. No, it's not even that kind of feel. It's just more of a, I don't know what these guys are going to do. I know I have an idea, but I don't know how and why and where. And so that intriguing mystery really brings it front and center, I think. And I was looking up uh, in the trivia, I was looking up the vehicle, because I have it written down here. The, uh, the guy who designed the, uh, the spinner cards, he was a famous... Uh, I, I say was, he may still be a lot of uh, Sid Mead was a, his famous Hollywood vehicle designer. He designed the uh, bubble cars from Sleeper, Woody Allen's 19... 19- yeah, yeah. He designed those, and that gave me a big chuckle, because Sleeper is one of my like top five comedies of all time, so I got a chuckle out of that. He designed those cars, too. They kind of designed the spinners, and Blade Runner also designed those bubble cars, which I thought was a riot. Obviously on a much lower budget. Right. Oh yeah, well that's a good step uh, turning point. This does kind of like RoboCop, which was a big influence for that one. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, it, even though it's a satire film and it's an action movie, I mean it also has a rare, intriguing set of emotion. It's like, what whatever happened? It's like throughout the '90s we were just treated to you know. Don't get me wrong, I'm a direct-to-video B movie connoisseur, but I uh, you know what was what made those movies lesser was there was just no emotion with all the cyborg type stuff. And it's like, why does everything have to be just mindless, you know, you know, head banging bad, you know? It's funny that you mentioned Robocop, the Sid Mead, the automobile. He also designed the 6,000 SUX from Robocop, which I found very amusing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he designed that car too. That's a connection there. Uh, very funny. Um, well, and I mean, that also just means so much more because, I mean, when it's all said and done and it's not just the makeup on the actor's face, you know, I love it when you're, you're actually seeing them design the wardrobe, the costume, in addition to, you know, the actors doing their usual thing. Here's how I'm going to memorize the dialogue. Here's my backstory that in my head versus what the script indicates, you know, and so to have, you know, the prop guys, the costume guys you know, the set guys all describe what they're going for based on both their notes that they were given and what they had in their head. You know, it's always fascinating. And this is definitely that kind of movie where it shows on screen. 
the money shows on screen and it's actually going somewhere, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And uh, I think that's just the other problem is just we got so many cynical critics. We got unreliable review sites and we got other audiences who aren't the most experienced with, you know, movies of the past. So when we're having to find a new blockbuster, it's just beyond frustrating because it's like, what the hell? You know, it's just this is not this hard to please the most general audience. So <laughs> and not every, and not every but then maybe it's me being sort of a lazy movie fan. I'm not willing to go down the rabbit holes like is he a replicant? Is he a replicant? Is he not a replicant? Does it even really matter? Is it that is it that important? Uh, well, that's why I avoid most movies that like to do those kind of what if stuff because most of the time it is just a cop out. It's like, well, we don't I even. Think, know. I don't even think it's the movies. I think it's some of the fans that, that tear into these. Well, that, that's just it. I think the movie makers just like, look, man, it's just a movie, you know. Well, that's the problem too. They're catering to those cr people who like to just bitch slap each other, you know, uh, over the head, and it's like, well, whatever happened to just simple entertainment? I liked well, I, it. I'm kind of lazy that way. I just want to be entertained. It's fine. I, I, I personally, like I said, I personally took away that he wasn't a replicant. Uh, I don't know people, but what about the Oregon unicorn at the end? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, but, okay, I, you know. At this stage, I wonder if Ridley just missing didn't state it properly. Is like was just talking about Decker figuratively, just because well, he so has that unicorn could have could have easily referred to. Rachel's character too, that she was, you know, the unattainable fantasy creature, but made out of that foil, sort of artificial. You know, that's not, probably Harrison Ford's in the that you had to refer to Deckard, but you know, I, again I don't I don't go down these rabbit holes as much as some people, so I could be misinformed or I could be missing some points. Hey, maybe know. maybe that's what the writer and Harrison Ford prefer <laughs> when they yeah, watch them. Maybe so. it was yeah. yeah. I think he was, I think that was him telling Decker that I know she's a replicant and I'm still going to let her live. <laughs> yeah. And I love well, the scene uh, where he's analyzing the photograph and he's able to, uh, like, uh, 3D into the photograph. Because at the time that seems so cool and sci fi and advanced, but they really have cameras now that can almost do that with taking exposures, taking shots at different focus levels and stuff. They have cameras now that can actually do that. To a point where you can actually go into the move the, the, the shot and actually uh, you know move around it in, in real time and then extract the shot you want but i thought that was interesting how we sort of caught up to that that seems so futuristic to me at the time and exactly dude especially well and it's funny you bring it up because you see some of these crime shows that were doing stuff like that and it's like it wasn't possible back then it was pissing off all the actual real life crime enforcers but yeah. now you look at what they can do now, and it's like, well, does that really prove it wrong now? <laughs> and, the, and the other thing, not to go on to on, the other thing about this film that I find interesting and somewhat depressing are the big, giant advertising blimps. Oh, they yeah. Like, fly over your apartment building and blast it at all hours of the day and night with light and sound. We're not, I don't think we're too far away from that. Well, that, there's that, and, I mean... Not to be derivative too much, but I mean, whenever I'm designing a movie, I pretty much always ask at the board meeting, "Are do the cars fly in this world?" Okay, just checking. Because yeah, let's get that out of the way up front. Well, and it's, I mean, 
this movie, that is part of its identity. You take that scene out, you won't ever remember it the same way. And I really do wish more blockbusters would be that way, where they just have the visual effects spent on creating, like, just free key scenes, just showing how everyone lives. And the rest of the budget goes to, you know, stunts, makeup, you know. And and none of this, let's rewrite it for the billionth time bullshit, you know. (laughs) No, and Daryl Hannah, she's she's uh, her scene is on screen right now while I'm watching. Yeah, I remember her. I remember uh, having quite the crush on her in this film. It was definitely this uh, Joanna Cassidy as the one snake gal. Yeah, um, Leah, I think was her character. Right. Uh, this aired quite frequently when the special edition came out on FX. Then it changed very quickly to Sci-Fi Channel, and. Uh, Again, the movie channels, maybe AMC on Once in a Blue Moon, but it was just always interesting to me how just seeing how this movie was just always embraced on. It's definitely one of the few that got reevaluated because it was just so easy to afford on cable TV. Not Leah, Zora. I'm sorry, her character's name was Zora. Well, and that Zora is just a beautiful name. And it makes sense when everyone states their name is like, of course, it, it just makes sense just coming from you. <laughs> I just loved, I, I just loved all, all four of the replicants, particularly uh, Brian James, who is creepy in everything he's in. Always. And just the hatred that they exude for the humans in this, just the contempt, you know, just like, just like um, the, the uh, evil, what's her name? Was it Liv in 2049? I think her name was Liv. I don't have it in front of me. There's the, the, the contempt and just utter hatred and disdain for humans, which I think is supposed to be sort of indicative for us towards God or whatever you believe in as your creator. You know, we have this sort of love-hate relationship with him. I had that beautifully said. Um, and Such a great part in this, for this the absolute just hatred. And then except at the very end when, when um, Roy Batty is, is at his end, he's sort of you know, becomes a little poetic and almost like he wishes he had more time and had more feelings and, you know, could have that side of it too. You know, he holds the dove and almost caresses it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that is definitely a key. Another key scene is like, take that out. The, I, the movie would literally have no soul. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that ending definitely gives this movie yeah, it's punch at the end. Sort of like you almost feel bad at the very end. Like, Oh wow. These guys are the villains. And all of a sudden, and it's just preferred as opposed to you know you hire two a-listers or rising stars and either just you know one of them just as good at fighting the other just is a maniac who monologues a lot and i you got so much of that during the late 80s early 90s is like I, i just would always prefer this formula this isn't even star wars level formula this is just flat out here's a villain you know what he wants. Here's a hero. You know what he wants. And well, whatever inevitable outcome happens, it's going to be well-earned, and it's going to be a gut punch, literally. And you're going to feel all the pain in the room. And that's pretty much missing from every other blockbuster. Like you say, I don't need anything deep either. But at the same time, I also want something that's a little interactive and not just flat out brain dead, you know? I like so. both. Like junk food and like, you know, great restaurant food. I like both. You know, sometimes I want to Exactly. Be and sometimes I want a really decent steak, you know, and 
and both are fine, depending on what frame of mind I'm in. I don't need to poo-poo on the Big Mac. You know, I'll take a Big Mac when I'm hungover, man. Give me a Big oh. Mac. Right. And I'm also not the kind of guy who bashes a movie if it's just set, it's going for this, but it's more entertaining in a different light. It's like, there's always going to be movies like that. So, I mean, if there's some level of enjoyment in it, that's fine. And so, more or less, if you had to rank this in the world of sci-fi movies, uh, or even mystery and future westerns, uh, where would you rank it, like, compared to other genre entries? Oh, I think it's a top of the heap. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Um just because how impactful it was, it really it, it really set the tone for sci-fi. This and, and Alien, again, Ridley Scott, the, the darker future, the not so sparkly clean, happy future, but the more the more I think the more the more realistic future, the future that we're actually going to find ourselves in. Although this Blade Runner was supposed to happen in what November of 2019, so we've already missed it. But <laughs> when the flying cars are going to show up, but the way people drive, I don't think we need them flying around above us either. Be falling down. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I love this movie. I think this movie stands head and shoulders above most. I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain right now to think what other sci-fi movies of that era have had such an impact on me. Um, nothing, I can't, I mean, I have to go back and look. I can't think of anything. You know, Star Wars, obviously. Uh, Blade uh, Runner's definitely at the top for me. I, I rank this just with a few different, just very, it, it, it's easily up there with all the 70s mad scientists and, uh, thought-provoking philosophy, sci-fi dramas, and it's definitely up there with many 80s blockbusters, but I know many people say stuff like, you know, some people who like the driving circuit will say Trancers, which is totally a knockoff of this, and that's fine. I like that. Trancers was um, Tim Thomerson, right? Wasn't that the actor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he comedian. Stand- Didn't he start as a stand-up comedian? Yeah, yeah. Comedian turned B-movie actor. and yeah. uh him doing stand-up way back in the day. Totally. Yeah, that, that, that's a little, that's a forgotten gem. Yeah, there's a lot of those too. Uh, Hardware, remember that one? Um, Hardware is excellent. That's a cyberpunk classic, and much like Blade Runner, ravaged yeah. by critics, embraced on home video. So, where the future wasn't quite what we expected it to be, you know, very dark, very violent. Hardware's got some good violence in it too. Yeah, some good squishy bits, which is great. Well, and that's what you also kind of need too for those later entries, and this one. I mean, the violence is brief, but you feel every, you know... When he shoots, when uh, Leon shoots the guy who's interviewing him at the very beginning, that's a very... Yeah, that's a very uh, impactful scene. Very uh, The way it's felt, you feel the, you feel the hit because he goes flying back in that chair and through the wall. It's very, uh, very powerful, I thought. that. that uh, yeah, that back, back when everyone had to be thrown through a wall. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people got thrown through walls in this one, didn't they? Yeah, they did, but it was also just kind of a genre signature. Is like who can throw so and so out a wall the fastest or first, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of people will even talk about other '80s gems like Back to the Future. And I think because that one was just on cable so much, and much like Ghostbusters, just so overquoted, it never resonated for me as much. It just was kind of memory overload, memory overkill. Yeah. And Blade Runner, it just wasn't on TV as much. But whenever I saw it, I was just blown away each time. It just was that special. I could watch it any time of the day. Just 
uh, I just saw the imagination on the screen and it was just a rarity compared to other blockbusters where it's like, well, it's a time killer, but it's not a great yeah, movie, you know? Yeah, Back to the Future was much more of a cartoon. You know, like, Absolutely. It yeah. ironically did become a cartoon and it was just one of those... I saw... Great movie. I love the first one. I love the third one. The second one just confuses the hell out of me. But the, I thought the third one, the, the, in the set in the Wild West was a really nifty little twist there, but the... The, 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 yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Like the sequels, well, and that's just it. Like they did what they had to do, but that was also kind of the unfortunate thing. I saw the sequels just way too many times because they were played on TV more often than not, and so got tired of them more. But the first one, it, it definitely still holds up. But yeah, the third one, it's funny how it's a trend now on the internet. You'll see a lot of people say best western ever. <laughs> What the third uh, Back to the Future? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll yeah, joke yeah. around with it. If they, they have their opinions, I kind of like Silverado, and I know like true Western fans would punch me in the head for saying that. But Silverado's fun. Come on, it's fun. Can we have oh. some? Does every yeah. movie, does every damn movie have to be Rio Bravo? Come on, let's have some fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, Silverado is just like how. What's also missing if you're gonna do a home as well as be its own thing, that's how you got to do it. You got to do movies like that. And that's another movie, which again, never found its audience, but kind of did at the same time. It didn't make its money, but it did register with the right crowd. Um, and it's kind of like with Blade Runner, it, it does take a, while, a bit to make you realize this is technically a Western too in sci-fi form. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's tracking down the bad guy or I guess the gang of bad guys. Right, high noon. Yeah, so uh, like a high or hang him high, right? He's sent out to capture these guys. Exactly. He's going to wrangle them, if not kill them first. Um, he doesn't need a stagecoach necessarily, although they do kind of take that presence in the second movie. He's You actually get to see him drive the car, you know, the flying car. and Yeah. It's a beautiful car. I love. It was great that they showed how what happens in the places outside of the city, because yeah, I mean, other just abandoned. Exactly. Other shows and movies, including stuff like Incorporated, have done a good job of showing you know, you know, this is where the rich people are. This is where the scavengers are, and it's like, I wish more movies and shows would do that. And it's like. It's just so simple. You don't have to draw a line in the sand even. You, you just show it. Just 10 seconds of screen time and you're golden. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, overall, I, do, I love this movie. I can't think of another sci-fi movie from, the, uh, from that era that I like more. It's definitely going to be a but, predicament. But for me, it did require more than one viewing. I'm ashamed to admit it. I had to watch it a few times before it all kind of sunk in. Well, I can't blame you. You know, it's all going to be luck of the draw, depending on what mood everyone's in. So, yeah, it's just like, don't watch this if you're not going to be prepared to interact, if you just want lazy viewing. Yeah, you're uh, not, you're not, you're not going to upset opinions going on. Exactly. Uh, yeah, do watch it if uh, you just literally just want to see just a movie that everyone's talking about and you can easily it'll register with you why they're talking about it because it's just that 
mind blowing. So, I mean, I felt like we pretty much covered the bases here. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, David, uh, thank you ever so much for recording your segment of this. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor as always. Always, man. Always. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.